Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. This is our first episode of the new year, and we thought we'd kick it off uh, with something a little aspirational. We're going to talk about what happens after we've made it. You know, we always dream about our startups making it big, like the big hits. But what happens when we actually do that? What happens when we achieve that? Will? Well, <laughs> having made it through this process on both ends of the spectrum, and, and you know, you and I, have, we've had the opportunity now to run through the beginnings of the startup where we have the idea and we're totally broke and life is just nothing but debt, and then get on the other side of it where we've had some success and we've had the opportunity to see, do all those big risks that we were taking, all those big bets that we were making, if they pay off, do they really pay off? Does it have this step function and change in life that we can say, okay, that was all worth it. And now that we're on the other side of it, man, this is this is Shangri-La. Everything's wonderful. And yeah. so I think let's talk about what actually happens. Cause for the folks that are out there that are just heads down right now, putting everything on the table, risking everything, hoping that things will be something different on the other side. We often don't get to see what that is. We get to see the Mark Zuckerberg version. I'm a billionaire kind of thing. Yeah, but for yeah, regular yeah. people who have reasonable outcomes, does life change dramatically? Like how big is that delta? And what does daily life look like on the other side of it? I think we should we should talk about it. Yeah, let's unpack it because I think there's this there's this expectation that, you know, we've got these bets and all we have to do is make the right bets and then when the bets pay off, that we've won and everything will be exactly as we wanted it to be. What's funny is that we don't often consider exactly what that means. Like what will really happen? Like, do I actually have a goal? Like I'm going to sell this thing for a hundred million dollars. Great. And then what? Like I'm going to have a hundred million dollars. You won't actually, but that's a <laughs> different story. Uh, <laughs> well, the other part is people are saying, you know, I'm going to buy a house and I'll buy a car. I'm like, cool. Now you're yeah. sitting in your house. Uh -huh. You're sitting in your car. What are you actually doing 16 hours a day? You know, Netflix that's and chilling, right? Isn't that yeah, it? Kind it's, of, right? Yeah. But, you know, how about this? Ryan, why don't you start with before anything had gone well for you, what was your life like? You know, what was your baseline, you know, yeah. or in some cases, what was your your lowest point, so to speak? So we can kind of understand what your world looked like. Well, luckily, the, the lowest point, I mean, it wasn't ever horrible. I, I, don't get me wrong. There were definitely stressful parts. Um, I was never in a van down by the river or anything like that, right? I was never living out of a car. You hear these, these like extreme stories of, of founder struggle. Um, it also happened at a time when the expectation was that I was going to be poor. I was in college the first time I went through this. Yeah, and so like, right, yeah. right, you're all poor and everybody around you is poor. And so there's no shame in it. So it's a fantastic time to do this. But there was still a lot of stress, right? There's still like when, when you can't pay your bills, you spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that you can't pay your bills, right? It's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. it's always there, right? And some of these were pretty important, right? Some of these had to do with daily life. Uh, some of these had to do with the education I was, I was uh, trying to get uh, through the formal channels. Some of this had to do with the actual running of the company and so on and so forth. And right. And then at some point you, you've got employees and, and now their livelihoods and, and their tuition and, and their rent checks are based on your ability to pay your bills, i.e. them. Uh, so yeah, no pressure. Yeah, none, none whatsoever, especially if most of them are your friends, right? No big deal. Right. Um, and honestly, again, like it, when you really look back and, and you kind of lean out and, and you say like, what would have been the worst thing that would have happened? The worst thing that would have happened is we'd have all ended up living in one apartment together. And it, we 
<laughs> it would have been weird, but <laughs> right, we were right, spending right. most of our days and nights together anyway, so it wouldn't have been that different, right? So again, the baseline here is that there was there was stress, but I wasn't that far from the ground anyway, so had I fallen all the way, it wouldn't have been a hugely catastrophic crash. Now, at the time, you know, 19... 19 and a half, 20 year old Ryan would not have believed that, right? The world yeah. would have ended. Um, and not just for me, everyone, it would have been cataclysmic. Was in the entire, it, was, right? it was everything. And so, you know, at that point if what we're doing here is setting the stage, it was pretty dimly lit. Right. And, and there was, it was a lot of, a lot of uncertainty and, and just a ton of, of stress around all this stuff that was accumulating, none of it good, right? It was it was personal debt, it was business debt, and not just financial debt, right? Emotional debt. Oh my God, energy levels were were <laughs> were you know. And again, this is at the at the peak of of your of your, your kind of your physical energy level should have been as high as ever. But I was exhausted all the time because I wasn't sleeping, and even when I was, it was poor sleep because I was flipping from side to side, thinking about well, who am I going to pay? Who am I not going to pay tomorrow so that I can pay somebody else? Right? It was pretty stark at a lot of points. And at that point, did you feel like I'm right around the corner from fixing it? Did you feel like there's no way this is ever going to work? Like, well, you know, what was your mental state on, between where you stood there and where you thought the other side of the goal line might be? For better or for worse, I have almost always been an optimist. And so I did believe that it would work out, but I didn't always believe that there wouldn't be major disaster between me and it working out. Right. And so I, and, and I think that, you know, there was, there was sort of the optimist on one hand and I was, I was happily paddling towards that outcome. The other side of it was, I was definitely running scared from, you know, the demons that were chasing me at that point. Right. Like you know, needing to cover payroll, um, needing to pay hosting for clients who were paying me for their hosting, but I had to use that money for payroll. So their hosting might get shut off. That leads to very unhappy clients. If you've never done that to someone, <laughs> your website gets shut down. Why? We didn't pay for hosting. Yeah, we did. Well, no, you did, you see. But like then when I got the money, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> right? so like the, the old shell game, right? So there was definitely. We yeah, didn't pay we for hosting. We didn't pay for hosting. You did. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of those things where I think that, and I think you, you kind of have to be it, you know, a bit of an optimist. You have to believe it's going to work. Otherwise, why the hell do you keep doing it? Um, and okay, now there is the situation where like you're just running so scared from the failure because you don't know what that actually looks like or what will happen. We've done an entire episode on this, right? How to kind of unwind what happens if everything goes wrong. Right. But in the moment, I never felt as compelled by the fear as I did by the desire to succeed. So I think that things were still just just to the rosy side of, of, the, uh, of the spectrum. Okay. And so at that point, again, you're optimistic. Obviously, none of us can predict the future, but you're broke. And you're like, hey, if I make it, <laughs> bonus. If I don't, I'll figure something. Yeah, exactly. And so I think along those lines for all of us, we're we're all at a point where like, I think at some level we know things might work out, but again, we don't know. We're kind of running into the abyss. Some of us though have have a downside that's significant, you know, because often we talk about startups and everybody's young and, you know, there's not a lot of downside. But Ryan, imagine at our age now with, with you know, full family, et cetera, making those same bets or being in that same place where we couldn't pay bills. You know, a lot of us in our lives when, we're, when we happen to be doing our startups, there's a huge cost to this. Are you trying to incite a panic attack right now? <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, like that, it, that changes everything, right? I mean, it, it, it totally changes everything. Now, I, I think that the, obviously, if, if there is catastrophic failure at this point, right? the consequences of that are exponentially 
more impactful, right? Like if, if this is right. because now I, if for, for me, it's five humans, right? I, I'm, I'm responsible right. for myself and four other, four other humans, uh, co-responsible right, with my wife. And it would be a, a major disaster. But I think that the flip side of that is that because of what we've accomplished and, and we're at the stage, and of course that depends on like kind of where you're at, you know, just being older doesn't necessarily mean that you're more secure. In right. our case, you know, we, we have, we have built some security, we built some cushion. So the likelihood of that total failure, the distance between me and that total failure is greater at this point. Right. And, and, you know, knock on wood and, and thank the stars that that's where we're at at this point. But absolutely. Right. If you're, if you've just been, you know, maybe you've, things haven't worked out well for you and you're at the same, you know, life stage that we're in, it's a very different picture. And I can imagine it being a lot harder to continue to be optimistic. And of course, these are the things that you have to consider as you go into this, right? There are no certainties in this startup life. And, and so you do need to, to think about those things. But again, let's, let's, let's come back around to, yeah, there's this chance for failure. There's this downside that we're, we're worried and whether we're, we're running towards our goal or we're running away from failure what happens when we actually cross the finish line, right? What happens when the bet pays off? I think for a lot of folks, myself included, there's this feeling that if all this hard work pays off, there's this Shangri-La other side of this equation where I have all the things I yeah. want. I'm no longer encumbered by debt and just everything works great. And, I, and I've got to say, as a guy who's been through this entire uh, spectrum of, of all of these feelings and emotions and, and expectations, it's mostly true. Okay, yep. I just want to be clear. In my case, I've gone from ridiculously poor, you know, my family grew up at poverty level, ridiculously poor with, in my case, very low expectations. Like I didn't yeah. think anything yep. good was going to happen in my life. Like I thought my dad worked construction, I'd go work construction, I'd build houses, and that was kind of it. And I was cool with that. Like I, I never had an expectation early in my life that anything was going to be better than yeah. that. I never thought I'd go to college. I never thought... I mean, again, my my bar was pretty damn low. But at the same time, growing up, in my mind, the idea of making it just meant fundamental stability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just meant like I would be able to eat every single right. night. It just meant that like my rent would get... I'd never considered owning a house. Like that my rent would get paid. That I would be able to eventually one day make all the car payments on a car. Like to me, that was making yeah. it. If I map it all back, it wasn't about living big or anything like that, especially back then. It was about safety. I just yeah. wanted to be able to wake up and feel sure. safe. And my entire life, my entire existence was solely pointed at getting to specifically that goal. But what, what I've learned since then, you know, I've been at this for a long time. And, and I would say I've spent nearly half my life in abject poverty in the other half of my life having done fairly well. And I got to say, most of my, my life, my day-to-day, -day, hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that would have shocked me. Now, this is the heart of what I want to talk about in this episode, is that the day-to-day -day of how you spend your day kind of doesn't change. How you feel <laughs> during yeah. that yeah, day yeah. changes night and day. I mean, back then... Every single night I went to bed in total terror. Now when I go to bed, I go to bed thankful, right? I spend a lot of time trying to be highly cognizant of all the things in life that I'm very thankful for. I have concerns, I have fears, I have, you know, worries and anxieties, but they're not survival right, right, anxieties. Right, 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 right. And that changes everything. 
But what I thought was interesting, having, again, kind of gone through this uh, whole spectrum, is that when I was first getting started in my career, first getting started in my business, everything's working against us, right? Just the, the way it goes, right? Like I'm, I'm in $100,000 of personal debt at the time. I'm 19 years old, so there's no way I'm going to ever pay this debt. Back. Yeah, this is just, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, it's so much debt, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> that dream of security and always paying the rent just right out the window. Uh, yeah, I was, like, I was like, look, it's never going to happen to begin with. Being $100,000 in debt doesn't make it any worse or better. But to be fair, I wasn't cavalier about it. I wasn't like, oh, $100,000, who cares? I was, I was sweating bullets every waking yeah, moment. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, this, there's no way I overlooked it for a second because of that. Ryan, it consumed every waking moment of my day, yeah. every decision I had, every, there, there's this constant cloud of, oh shit, following me all the time, everywhere, in, in throughout my dreams and oh, nightmares, sure. all the for time. Sure. It's pervasive. I'm, and when we talk about making it and what it would be like on the other end, we're like, just get rid of that cloud, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just I just want to be able to wake up in the morning and know that that cloud isn't there. I don't owe somebody something. I, I'm not indebted, and I don't just mean financially, to all these different things um, all the time. Right. Yeah. When and, you say, I haven't woken up to an alarm in years, you don't want that to mean because the repo man's outside every morning and he wakes me up banging around looking for my car, right? Like, it's <laughs> not I mean, not it's, the way you want that to play It's out. real. And I think... Again, at the time, this is before anything had gone well. At the time, all I'm thinking is just get this monkey off my back. If if the monkey's off my back, then I'll have made it. And everything, like I said, will be Shangri-La. And you know what? Again, spoiler alert, there is some truth to that. It's just, it didn't go quite the way I thought it would. And so so here's what I thought would happen. I thought that like uh, I'd make these bets, company would do well, I'd make a bunch of money. And then all of a sudden, I'd be living, I don't even know how I would describe it anymore. Like, it's just like magical rock star life where like everything I did all throughout the day would just be the coolest thing you could possibly yeah. do. You, you get you get thrown right into right into the middle of Little Orphan Annie, right? And all of a sudden, you just yeah. have everything. There's <laughs> people, Richie people, Red, people right? dance through your house while mopping. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Here's what it comes down to, though. In life, the most valuable things that exist are the things that you don't have. <laughs> because the moment you do, they're just not that yeah, valuable no, anymore. Exactly it's it. sad, but it's more true than people realize. Yep. And so when I didn't have a house, having a house was the most important thing to me. And to be fair, having a house is important. But once you have it, you have it. It's your base. Man, right? I just had a crazy conversation with, with a dear friend of mine who suffered a horrible, horrible accident while traveling internationally last year uh, to the point where he was in the hospital for four or five months, couldn't walk. Couldn't, didn't have the use of, of his limbs other than for like super basic stuff, like couldn't stand up, couldn't do anything. We started to talk about it and I was like, man, this must have been a really interesting exercise in, in gratitude as those things came back. And he said, you know, I thought it would be too. And he's like, what's really funny is that like when I couldn't walk, the only thing I wanted, the thing like my entire happiness was going to be pinned on was being able to walk again. He's like, the minute I could walk again, I took it for granted. He's like, you wouldn't think that would be true. You think you would always think back to like, man, I couldn't walk. Now I can again. He's like, but then I want to be able to run. And then I want to be able to play basketball. Like, then I want to be able to do these other things. And so it's really interesting that even with something that fundamental, right? So, yeah. right. Do you need the nice car? No, you don't. But you want it. So you're going to get it. And will that make you happy? No. That's somehow, uh, you know, a bit more understandable. But the fact that even when you take it down to like human necessity levels, once we have something, we have it. And it loses value. 
right? Now, if it goes away again, maybe the value, at least the, the, the perceived value would come back again and you'd want it again. Uh, but once you got it, you got it. So here, here's how I would encapsulate that. Not having things, debt, pain, these are things that occupy lots and lots and lots of yes. time. Having things, the lack of, of debt, the lack of pain, et cetera, doesn't occupy any time. Yeah, that's right. right. So, so when I was dead broke, I spent all my time trying to be not dead broke. But then at some point, things worked out and I had some cash. But all of a sudden, all of that time, that 16 to 18 hours a day that I spent doing nothing but trying to get unbroke, I had free, yeah. which is awesome, by the way. But here's the thing. We don't spend a lot of time talking about what we're actually going to do with that time. Listen, I've spent the last 20 years doing something with that time. It's way more boring than you'd think. Yeah. Right? And I've talked to lots and lots of other founders, you know, a lot of my friends are founders, who've done really, really well. And all of them say the same thing. They're like, <laughs> we work out and play Netflix. That's or you know, watch Netflix. Like, that's it. Yeah. Right? A, and don't get I'm sure there's there's some Richard Branson having tea on the top of a um a balloon, you know, or whatever. I, I remember seeing this this one episode of like Richard Branson's Extreme Adventures, yes, and yes. he's on like some hot air balloon <laughs> having I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure some rich guy's doing that. But at the end of the day, most of your time is spent doing the same stupid mundane shit that you're doing when you were broke. It's, yeah. <laughs> you're just doing it with less, less debt. debt. Well, you're doing it with a slightly different reason, right? Like, so you may have been doing the same things before as an escape. Now you're doing them as a way to fill time that you now have free that you, and you have nothing to escape from, right? But the activities remain roughly the same, which is not what you expect. Anything that you get taken away from you, again, it's a form of a debt or a pain. If we were to get invaded right now as a country in the United States, all I would be able to think about is our freedom, right? right? That would be the most important thing. But we're not being invaded and our freedom seems to be intact. So I just don't think about it. I don't spend any time. Right, exactly. And so when we think about the other side of, you know, again, having made it, I don't know that, that we spend as much time saying what I will do versus what I won't do. And so I think for a lot of us, making it is, is the absence of pain versus the creation of this new world of amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not the things that you end up aggregating after the fact. And, and you did some of that, right? We, we both did. So talk about that for a second, because I think it's an interesting contrast, because I, I think that once you've been on both sides of this, you do have a realization for, right? It's, it's being free from all those things that you didn't want to have to do. We talked about this in other contexts as well, right? Which is like part of, of, you know, what we've built with startups.com is not having to do things we don't want to do anymore. Right. And we, we literally right. built the company on right. like, I, we don't want to work with jerks. We don't want to uh, answer to bosses. Right. And so we, we've done that. And it's so, again, it's, it's the thing that we don't have and that we don't have to do that actually becomes one of the major benefits. But let's contrast that for a minute. And, and you already touched on this. Like once you have something, it you've got it. Right. And then it kind of loses the value. Right. So the, the, the post, you know, the post cash out spending spree, the car, the house, the, the, the whatever. Contrast that for a second. And at the time, because I'm, I'm actually having a hard time remembering exactly when I woke up to this. At the time, could you feel the lack of debt and the lack of stress and all those things? Or were you caught up in kind of the spending of the money and the, and the trying to feel out what is my new lifestyle actually look like? Mine was bizarre because, you know, as you know, 
folks listening, in 94, I started one of the first web design companies and we grew pretty quickly. We became a big company over the next few years. And about three years later, the company kind of really hit its stride on a particularly big deal that we won. Uh, We won about a $250 million a year deal that grew the company incredibly fast. And at that point, uh, everything kind of blew up. And so I I went from in the same year, this is circa 97. I mean, uh, quite a Dickensian moment. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was was bizarre. And so I went from uh, rollerblading to work, not because I thought rollerblading was cool in the 90s. It is. It's still awesome. But uh, because I didn't have a car. So at the end of the year, driving a Lamborghini at 22, yeah, right? Like it couldn't have been more dichotomous, right? right? Like in that period. So when I looked at it, it <laughs> I got to say this, looking back, I didn't think it was going to last. Right. <laughs> That's right. Part. Nobody ever understood at the time. You're halfway Everyone through trading like, places oh and you know you're going to have to trade back at some exactly point. exactly <laughs> what it was. I, it felt like, it felt like this weird social experiment that, that, you know, yeah. Mortimer was going to come in and, and take it all back. Right. Cause like I specifically remember a buddy of mine, uh, flies in from out of town and all this crazy stuff's happening. And I remember telling him, I said, hey, man, uh, wouldn't it be awesome if we went to the Lamborghini dealership and went and bought a Lamborghini? And he was like, you got to be out of your mind, right? And this was also a time period where young people didn't do stuff like this. This was like mid-90s. Anyway, short version of the story, we go in, we end up uh, sitting down with the dealer. Dealer's like, yes, by all means, you can buy this car because we happen to have a relationship with him, whatever. And I'm next thing I know, I'm signing the, the documents to like a $300,000 car. And here's the funny thing. And, and my buddy's looking at me going like, are you kidding me Like <laughs> with this? And I said, honestly, it's all going to get taken away. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way. There's no I'm way. I'm just going to gather gonna, my toys now stick. and play with them as much as I can. Uh, yeah. I just assumed that I would just wake up. It would be over. And so, you know, it's funny because when people hear these stories, they don't really understand the entire story. They just think, oh, you must have made a bunch of money and you always knew it was going to happen. No, I was like, no, this is this is not meant for me. This was some other guy's life. I just happen to be in it right now. And, you know, I'm going to wake up and it's all going to be over. So I was just like, hey, roll the dice, enjoy it while it lasts, because I'll probably be working construction by the end of the year. And by the way, I was kind of okay with that. It's an interesting uh, thing, though, because but, a lot of a lot of people talk about this, right? It, and it's it's almost like I don't know rock climbing, right? You go up the you go up the wall, you go up the wall, you go up the wall, and like you, you want to get to that that peak point, but then you get there, and there's actually some fear at that point. Like you look down and you see how far you've made it, and then all of a sudden you feel like you have far more to lose, um, and that can create a lot of fear in people, right? So it, oddly enough, making it can create its own kind of debt in terms of the gap between where you were and where you are now. You know, I don't, it doesn't sound like you, you were suffering from that at that point. You're like, no, if I fall back down, I'm just, I'm just going to go build houses and that's fine. Well, I mean, cause it happened so fast yeah. that it was all, it's kind of like if somebody wins the Powerball lottery, yeah. like they were, yeah. you know, let's say you were broke one minute and all of a sudden you have a bunch of money at first you're just like, this isn't real. Right. right? And so it takes you some time. Also, this is worth noting. It was at a time when being young and wealthy was unheard of. Yes. That kind of happened with the whole internet era. This was circa 97 at the time. Prior to that, you just didn't have 22-year-olds driving Lamborghinis. And I think we talked about this, unless you just had a hit album where you just got you know signed to an NFL team. Alex P. Like, Keaton. You know, it just like, idiots like yeah. me. It just it, 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 There wasn't a place right. for us. And so, again, there was no precedent for me going, oh, yeah, this happens all the time. Like now, if it happens, if somebody, you know, makes some money or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's, there's 50 <laughs> other cases I can think of that, that I read yeah. about, you know, in TechCrunch yeah. where it Back happened. Back in the day, you were just At waiting time, for an adult to show up and tell you it wasn't true, right? 
<laughs> oh my god. I mean, it's seriously. And so, anyway, you were asking about the time period, and what I was saying is, for me, it happened so fast that I could see the contrast night and yeah, day. You can still feel it. And so, I you did. Probably still had and, ramen noodles so in the cupboard. I did. I mean, that was the funniest thing was around that same time, like I still had all my college furniture. Yeah. (laughs) I I made my money so fast. I still have cheap beer in the fridge that I'll never drink, but I, it's just there. Unbelievable. But here's what, what I thought was interesting. So I get up the next day, so to speak, and I'm like, okay, shouldn't my life be dramatically different? And it's just not. Yeah. Nothing about it was dramatically different. I was still hanging out with the same friends, doing the same things. Like, and here's the other thing I thought was really interesting. All the things that I found myself doing that occupied my entire day that I enjoyed the most really cost nothing at all. Yeah, right? that's funny. Like, you know, I love to play hockey with my friends, right? Cost nothing yeah. at all. I love to watch Netflix. Cost nothing at all. I mean, like, I realized that my life was pretty much the same. It was just the, the absence of this pain. That was pretty much it. And that never occurred to me. And again, once the, the novelty of new things wears off, you're kind of back to doing the same stuff. And you know, it's interesting, Ryan, now that I think about it, you and I have also kind of ran a bit of our own social experiments <laughs> with seeing what happens. I know where you're going with if this. We kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we kind of change things, I, you know, actually probably a lot of people listening don't know this, but, uh, you know, Ryan and I are recording from two very different locations. Uh, right now I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Ryan, you're in Guatemala. Yes. And you and I both went on kind of our own epic adventures to test what it would be like if we changed our environment completely just to see what that would feel yeah, like. We literally and figuratively went opposite directions. So I went from, uh, you know, being in the U.S., right? And, and we, we weren't living in, in a major city. We had moved from Columbus to St. Pete at that point. And it had a very, very comfortable lifestyle. Very, very comfortable. We were very, quite, quite satisfied with what we had. But we had visited Guatemala a few years before and fell in love with the beauty of the country. And then there was this allure about the lifestyle that you could have there because it's, it's a, you know, economically, it's a very, very different country. And particularly if, you know, you're earning dollars and you're down here spending the local currency, Quetzales, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of padding there. And there's a lot of things you can just do here that you, you can't do in the U.S. And so we said, like, let's try that out. Let's go see what happens if we elevate ourselves to a lifestyle that, wouldn't be possible here, right? And and here were the things that we were looking for. At, at this point, we had, at the point we decided, we had two kids and we had one on the way. And, and so we knew there'd be a little bit of time. So we had about a year between making the decision and then actually doing it. We moved down here when our, our third was uh, about six months old. And here's what we were trying to achieve. We, we knew that down here, we would be able to have household staff and we would be able to access help that we couldn't access in the U.S. without a, a markedly different cost. Said differently, we would have had to either change our lifestyle or get this help, right? And so it, it meant a big trade-off. And so we said, well, if we come down here, we can keep a similar lifestyle and we can also get that help. And, and really, this goes back to exactly what we've been talking about this, this whole, the whole time, which is it gave us freedom. It was about things we would no longer have to do. And it sounds trivial, but since we've gotten down here and we're a year plus into this adventure now, I haven't changed a light bulb. I haven't mowed my grass, right? I haven't done these little things that don't take a ton of time, but they do eat away at the clock, right? And with three kids right. and a, a fairly serious uh, jujitsu practice and a 
you know, a burgeoning uh, soccer career now, I'm really enjoying the fact that I don't have to make trade-offs like, oh, should I just not mow the grass? Oh, should I just not, you know, take care of that paperwork? Oh, should I just not do this? I have time to do all the things I want to do. You became twice as rich by having half the cost. Exactly that. Right. And, and, you know, so that was your, yes, test. that was it. I didn't, I didn't have to change anything else other than my, my physical location. And all of a sudden our lifestyle changed to something that wasn't even conceivable. Right. It's like, you know, if you, 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 you live in a nice part of town, but let's say you drive past like mansion row and you go like, well, I'm, I'm really happy with what I have, but like that's, that's out of reach and it will probably continue to stay out of reach in an instant. All of that was within reach for us. Right. I had the lifestyle. Right? We just we moved. Good and, and, you know, it, it's, this is going to sound maybe a little bougie, but it, we had a, we had four staff in our house. Right. We had two housekeepers, a nanny and a, and a gardener handyman. And I can't tell you how much that changes things. Right. I, I and it was funny because it's amazing. Well, here's the thing. Like I, I was doing the mental calculations before we came down about what it would change in our lives. And I realized that I, here was my expectation from my wife who was handling the family side of the business, that things would change significantly because I could see all the tasks that would come off of her plate and the amount of time that she would gain back. And I assumed that like 90% of her day would change. And I assumed that maybe 10% of my day would change, right? Because I'm still going to be, you know, in the business, working on startups.com, doing our thing. And so I thought like, you know, maybe 10% of my day will change. And that might not have been inaccurate. Here's the thing I didn't anticipate. How much having that 10% back would change my life. It was staggering, right? And and it it definitely did change my life. So you bought time. I bought a ton of time and flexibility and not just time, but not having to worry about those things. It wasn't just that they went away. They went away in a way that is so pleasing that everything is just kind of always the way I want it. Right. And it, and it might sound selfish, but like this has then in turn allowed me to turn around and do a lot of really good and interesting things, both for myself and other people, because now I'm not spending my time on these tasks. Right. We've talked about this in terms of like things like virtual assistants. Right. And, and we, we see this day in, day out with virtual and how impactful it is to take some of those time wasting day killing menial tasks off the table and what that buys you back, right? The the Delta and the cost or what it costs you to pay somebody else to do those things and the time and your capability that unlocks by not doing them is staggering. Absolutely staggering. Right. And so part of what we're talking about is, Hey, on the other side of making it, I get less debt, but there's another part of making it where you can say, I can, I can free up more time. And and you're saying that, that there was a balance a pool of time that uh, having more cash, in this case, you you engineered it by just having a lower cost yes. basis, bought you. Yep, exactly. That's really interesting. You know, we, my family and I actually did the opposite. Yes, you we did. We went to a place that was 10x <laughs> more expensive. And, and it was interesting. So a few years back, our family, we moved to Beverly Hills, right? And it was a weird chain of events that got us there. We had been living in Southern California before in Santa Monica. Then we moved to San Francisco and then we were looking for a house just happened to be in Beverly Hills that we found and moved in. And it's crazy expensive, right? It's like what you're talking about, but again, going the opposite direction where we thought we were doing okay. Then we moved there and we were like the poorest (laughs) people there by far. (laughs) Oh, perspective. and, And it was such an amazing perspective because at that point, all of the people that you're living next to no one got there by accident, 
right? Or maybe they did, you know, it was a fluke. But but everyone that's living in one of those houses has a story of how they got into that house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so like, so uh, given, again, this is where it is. Our neighbors were like Calvin Harris and Jessica Alba and like all yes. these people who got there through some bizarre chain of events. You're right? literally, we talked um, about this before, but you're literally living in the in like a neighborhood or, or the land of statistical aberrations, right? These are the, the extreme outliers, right? It's not like they just like yeah. nose to the grindstone, worked hard, saved all my money, you know, double contributed to my 401k and bought a $30,000 mansion in the hills, right? didn't happen ever. Nobody here was VP of anything, <laughs> right. right? Like, you know, everybody was the, you know, c- the CEO or the founder yeah. or the whatever or something. Okay. So anyway, and, and people have an idea of Beverly Hills and this kind of, you know, what it is and whatever. And here, here's what I would say. So we did it for a few years and here was our takeaway. And my wife felt exactly the same way. I was like, this is supposed to be the top of the food chain. This is like the best of everything. Honestly, at the end of the day, I just wanted to eat pizza, watch Netflix, and go back to building something in my workshop. Same, <laughs> same so, movies on Netflix for sure, so, but was the pizza better at least? Yeah. yeah, the only difference is my neighbors were actually making oh, it. Oh, But like, it, 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 I'll be honest with you, the like, it was supposed the to be the movies. best of everything. Yeah, right, right. It was the best of everything, sort of. It wasn't, it wasn't that big of a freaking deal, man. Like, my life ain't that complicated, right? If I'm going out to dinner, for example, right, and I have a $30 meal or a $300 meal, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just sort of don't it's care. Like the the I tell the difference is- Yeah. I, I was talking about this with somebody in terms well, of wine the other night. And I said, like, you know, I, I, I do appreciate the difference between a $3 bottle of wine and a $12 bottle of wine. But when you go from the 12 to the 40 and the 40 to the 200, uh, you, you've beat my palate at that point. I can't, I can't tell you the difference. Okay, stick with this. Because this is, this is the, the heart of the, the experiment that I was running and kind of the point that I want to make here. When we don't have stuff we get to this place where like just having that one thing feels like everything. But once you get that thing, the additional, like the next 10% of life, like let's say like you get to the point where it's 90% and you're looking at the next 10% or maybe the next 9%, then the last 1%. To be honest, for a lot of folks, and I'm going to include myself, it's great that you can do it, but it ain't worth killing yourself for. Right. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like it, there was nothing about it. I can tell you firsthand and we tried everything we could to try to, you know, enjoy the fruits of it. It just wasn't that big of a deal. Right. And I'm not downplaying it. Right. If there were some parts that were spectacular and awesome, you know, I'd say as much, but like there were a few highlights, but not a big deal. Yeah. But here's what's interesting. We met tons of people, of course, because our kids were in school, many of the other parents, whatever, uh, while we were there, they all felt the same way. Honestly, it was just a bunch of people doing the same stuff everybody else was doing, just with a much more expensive price tag, yeah. you know, a higher mortgage payment, so yep. to speak. And again, there's some outliers. There's some people doing, you know, what you consider this you know, kind of high-end bougie shit. But to be honest, like, it wasn't worth it. If if I could have hit the reset button and gone back and said, okay, you know, younger Will, we talk about this all the time, go back to the, our Marty McFly time machine and say, here's what all of this will buy you. Here's what's worth worrying about. Here's what's, you know what? It only matters because you don't have yeah, it. Yeah. Here's how I'd summarize that, Ryan. I'd say getting out of debt is 90% of everything that matters. You know, being free of yes. debt. Now, people often say, well, that must mean I have so much money that I never need to work again. No. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, look, if yes, if you get that much money, wonderful. It doesn't friggin' matter. What matters is getting out of debt, right? And debt, is, debt isn't just about how much you owe your credit card company. It's the debt of what you have to do every day, you know, kind of how you can spend your day, uh, what you get to care about. Ryan, what you're talking about, the debt of time. Yeah. Right? The debt of time. Just even the, the debt of decision making, right? When, when you're in a position where you can't even make the decisions, right? Where your decisions are now forced by your circumstances, 
it's hugely limiting in so many ways and it's really frustrating, right? That goes away. Yeah, man. Look, getting out of debt is 90% of what we're all working toward. You know, this feeling of being safe, this fe- this feeling of being able to have optionality. The other 10%, which I think we were overly focused on, which I call the luxuries, things you can buy. By all means, I hope everyone listening gets some of those things, you know, and gets to enjoy them. You know, you only live once and I, and I hope you get that opportunity. But I got to tell you, and, and I'm not alone in this position. It's 10% of the happiness, yeah. if you will. Like, you know, thinking, oh, I'll have that car, I'll have that house. It's okay, but once you have it, it's not going to really change a whole hell of a lot. You're probably going to be doing most of the same things you're already doing, well, it's, which is... You're, you're, in, you're exponentially increasing your spending and you're incrementally increasing the quality or enjoyment, right? It's, it's, it's the wine analogy, it's the car analogy. When you don't have a car at all, when you're on rollerblades and you go to any car, that's 80 to 90% of the improvement of car. When you go from the $8,000 beater to the $250,000, $300,000 sports car, yeah, it's very, very different car, still gets you from point A to point B, and it's, you're, you're not going to feel the same happiness gain. It doesn't change your life as much as going from I'm walking to I'm driving, right? Same thing with the bottle well, of wine or anything else. That. You just start paying more for things with, an, with a diminishing return on the value of what you're paying. Agreed. And, and there's a part we, we talked about in actually one of our first episodes, we were talking about the value of your first $250,000 yes. versus the next, yeah. you know, et cetera. And, and, and the, the risk in trying to think you need so much money, you know, in life to kind of make it or, or spend or whatever else like that. You know, what we're focused on here is, you know, what happens after I made it? Well, making it again is, is that freedom of debt. Everything else beyond that, where you're like, hey, I want the, the cars, the houses, yeah, yeah. et cetera. It's nice, but it doesn't have nearly the payback of just getting out of debt, which honestly is, on a pie chart basis, is usually the smallest part of the pie chart. If if I were to reset, again, if I were to go back in time, here's what I would tell younger me. I would say, all that matters right now is you get out of that $100,000. If you can figure out how to get $100,000 put together yep. to get yourself out of this hole, yeah. you'll be 90% of the way yep. there. The rest of it, where you're thinking like houses, cars, et cetera, all gravy at that point. Yeah, you know, anything you can do at that point is great, but it will never, ever, ever have anywhere near the, the upside of just getting out of the hole. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And We hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later.